Welcome to Speaking On Demand, a podcast that breaks down the keynote speaking marketplace with speaker interviews, industry trends, and agent insights. I'm your host, Aaron Rayberg, speaker agent for Capital City Speakers Bureau. Hey, what's new, everyone? It's Aaron Rayberg. Welcome to another episode of Speaking On Demand. What if I told you that today's guest on the podcast is a Hall of Fame inductee in not just athletics, but also keynote speaking? What if I took that a step further and told you that today's guest was born with a severe physical challenge that impacted all four of his limbs below the knees and below the elbows? Would you believe me? Well, today's guest is none other than Roger Crawford, tennis player, tennis hall of fame, and keynote speaking hall of fame. Roger has overcome so much adversity in his life and not just overcome, he has thrived and he's doing wonderful things out there on the keynote circuit, um, helping coach tennis and helping audiences get inspired, stay safe and refine their mindset. I hope you enjoy today's conversation where we'll dive into the topic of mindset. We'll talk about the concept of positive expectancy, and we'll touch on the importance of re-educating our employees on important safety topics as we all come back to the workplace. I hope you enjoy today's interview with Roger Crawford. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Speaking On Demand. And today I have Roger Crawford joining us. Roger, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Hey, thanks. Aaron, thanks. I really appreciate it. You know, just to get started off, we were talking a little bit before we kicked it off here formally, and uh, I learned that you are kind of smack dab in the middle of quite a few of these fires that are happening out in California. So we just want to send our best and hope that you're staying safe amidst all that chaos. Well, I appreciate it. It's just another... uh... Another challenge in the year of 2020. We're all learning a lot, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it's um, luckily we're far enough away, but we are, are feeling the effects of the smoke, but appreciate the good wishes. Yeah, you bet. Well, for those of you listening in today, meeting planners and uh, partners of ours, you may or may not know about Roger's background. Um, so I wanted Roger to just kind of take the stage to get to begin here and explain a little bit about his background and some of the physical challenges that he was born with. And I think that'll really help shape the context of today's conversation. So Roger, why don't you give us, because we're not on video. So uh, why don't you describe some of the challenges that you've overcome uh, in your lifetime? Sure, sure, Aaron. So I was born with the physical challenge that affects all four of my limbs from the elbows down and from the knees down. So I have two fingers on my left hand and one on my right hand. I had an underdeveloped left leg amputated when I was five years old, so I wore an artificial leg, and I had three toes on my right foot. Now, for the people listening, that probably sounds rather daunting, but I have to tell you that I was very fortunate growing up that I had parents that taught me everybody has challenges. Yours is just visible. They used to tell me over and over again, you don't live in Pity City. The message was clear. You're not going to feel sorry for yourself. This is only a disadvantage if you let it be a disadvantage. And so they were always encouraging me to do more and to be more and never 
allowed me to use my physical challenge as an excuse. You know, for the people listening, Aaron, um, it's really true for all of us. We can all find reasons to quit and give up. You don't have to have a physical challenge like mine. In fact, Aaron, you know, when I'm standing in front of a group and speaking, I'm well aware of the fact that there are many people in the audience that have had much greater challenges than I have, but you can't see them. So when I'm speaking to groups, I really build a bridge with them, hopefully by saying, you know, challenges are inevitable, but defeat is optional. My life's not different than your life. Man, I mean, it's, that's amazing that you can stay so positive. And you and I both share one thing in common. It sounds like we both had a great set of parents. Yes. Um, I can't say enough about my folks and the opportunities that they provided me. So I'm curious about your upbringing a little bit more. So it sounds like you had a ton of support at home, but what was it like going to school and what was it like from the other kids? I mean, did you, did you get harassed or bullied or were people pretty understanding? Well, I certainly had experiences of bullying, but I, I guess I came to the understanding that, you know, that's just, as my mother used to tell me, that's a weak person's imitation of strength. So it was really revealing their handicaps or limitations. So sure, I experienced that, Aaron, but I have to say that I look back at my life and um, I think it was wonderful growing up. I mean, I have tremendous memories and um, sure, I mean, I've had discouragement like we all have, you know, I've had times where I felt like giving up. I've had self-doubt as we all have. Yeah. I mean, I've, I was uh, doing a little bit of research prior to our conversation and I found some pictures on, on Google. Um, there's a picture of you uh, playing football, basketball, riding a bike. And I wanted to, I'm very curious, you know, everybody knows you for the tennis star that, that you are. Um, how did you gravitate towards tennis and what other activities and sports were you interested in when you were younger? I've always been passionate about sports. My father was an athlete, was a collegiate baseball player. So I've, I've always loved sports. I got involved because I wanted to be like all the other kids. You see, I wanted to participate. I, I wanted to, to feel like them. I wanted to feel able-bodied. And it, it helped change my, my sense of self because if I could compete equally on the football field or the basketball court or the tennis court, then, then it, it, it really helped change my perspective. And so it was incredibly valuable, you know, for me. So you, know, you mentioned tennis. I'm sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No, no, no. Yeah. So get, so get into tennis because I think that's what, you know, I mean, you've got some amazing accolades and I'm curious, when did you pick up tennis and when did you finally know that, okay, I've got something special here and, and I think I could be great? Well, that's, that's a great question. So I walked into a tennis store and I picked up a racket called a Wilson T2000. And I preface the story by saying, uh, when people hear me speak, they say, well, gosh, you, that was so innovative for you to be able to learn how to hold on to the racket. Well, they're giving me way too much credit, Aaron. I, when I held onto the racket, my right finger slipped in between the two parallel bars uh -huh. and my finger got stuck. Oh my God. That was the innovation, right? And that's <laughs> how I learned how to hold on to the racket with two hands. So I hit a two-handed forehand, two-handed backhand, actually even a two-handed serve. I tossed the ball up with my left hand and grabbed the racket behind my head and I swing through. 
So when I'm speaking to groups, I don't talk necessarily about my involvement in tennis, but I do talk about what I learned. And, and, and here, here's a couple of thoughts on that. What I learned on the tennis court, I think, is applicable to all areas of my life and the listeners' lives. Tennis is not won by perfection. Tennis is won by consistency. If you can hit the ball over the net one more time than the other person, you win the point. Mm -hmm. So that's a mindset, Aaron. If we focus less on perfection and more on consistency, we're going to increase results. Now, we all know that we're going to face obstacles. We're going to face challenges. One way to transcend them is with consistent effort and a consistent mindset. That's volitional. That's totally within our control. I've been talking to, um, as you and I were uh, uh, discussing this earlier, with clients today, we're, we're talking about COVID. Something I've been saying to them is, look, they call it the novel coronavirus. They use the word novel because it's new. It's different, never been seen before. However, I think everybody would agree challenges aren't new. Change isn't new. Right. We've experienced in the past. We're going to experience it in the future. If we have that mindset, I think we can extract the opportunities within that change. See, people that have a negative mindset, opportunities are going to pass them by. Because all they're focused in on is what's wrong. But if you have a positive mindset in their midst of change, you can see changing circumstances not as wrong, but as new. And when you see it as new, opportunities emerge. No doubt about it. One of the things that, one of the videos, clips that I've seen you talk about, and I'm, maybe this was a topic on one of your motivational Mondays, but it was this concept of positive expectancy, how when you take on a task, you're going to go into that task with a winner's mindset, and, and that's just how it's going to be. Um, so can you elaborate on, like, is that something that you've always had, or is that something you've had to teach yourself over the years, that positive expectancy? Oh, that's a great question, Aaron, and, and, and here's how I'd answer it. I don't believe that we ever fully master positive expectancy or a winner's mindset. It's day-to-day -day work. It, 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 it's awareness and it's discipline and it's intention. So as it relates to positive expectancy, I really do believe in life. We often get what we expect. Here's an example. For people listening, <clears throat> I'm sure you've had this experience. When you believe that something can't be done or it's impossible, you're going to look for reasons to prove yourself right. Mm -hmm. In the same respect, if you believe something's possible, something is attainable, again, you're going to look for reasons to prove yourself right. That's what I mean about positive expectancy. Um, you know, you mentioned about motivational Mondays that I do with Tennis Channel and I, I've had the opportunity of, of, uh, of coming in contact with some of the top tennis players. In fact, uh, I don't know if I told you this, Aaron, but I had the opportunity of playing in Serena Williams' celebrity tennis tournament. I, I did not know that. I was <laughs> going to ask you, like, who are some of your favorites? But that, that's amazing. Tell well, me more but about Aaron, that. 
for, for people listening, don't be too impressed because what I learned hitting tennis balls with Serena Williams is a positive attitude doesn't work every time. <laughs> that's, that's what I learned. She's, she is uh, pretty awesome. But I was listening to Rafa Nadal, okay? And he was in a room and he was talking to a group. And person asked him this question. Oh, for, I should say, for people that don't know who Rafa Nadal is, um, you probably don't. You probably don't watch tennis if you don't know who Nadal right. is. Yeah. But you know he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, tennis player of all time. You know, certainly in the top five. I think I can. I think everybody would agree with that. But Aaron, I'll never forget it. Um, you know, I'm sitting in the audience. I'm, I'm just on the edge of my seat, and listening to his answers. And person said, "What is your next goal? What is your next big goal? What do you want to accomplish?" And Rafa Nadal said. I want to have a good practice tomorrow. Wow. And the person said, well, no, well wait, wait a second. I, 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 I to like, is your goal to win five more grand slams? Or, and he said, no, no, no. My only goal is to have a good practice tomorrow. And I thought, wow, what a powerful insight. And it comes back to that principle, Aaron, of consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. And not letting things, you know, not seeing things that are too far off, but just knowing what's next and being great at it. I, I love that. That's a great, a great quote from him. That's yeah, awesome. I, I, I really, the, the work that I've done with Tennis Channel has been such an amazing experience. And I've been able to, um, uh, to meet so many people, many of my heroes and, uh, and then, and then learn so much from them and then, and then be able to share that with audiences. Because when I'm speaking to groups, Aaron, it's so important that, that, that the message that I deliver is not my story, but it's about their story. Yep. It's not about me, but it's about them. And that's why when, when people say, well, do you tell your story? I say, well, that's a backdrop, but the message is about the audience, because the audience can't relate to having three fingers, one leg, and half a foot, but they can relate to the power of a positive mindset. They can relate to, hey, you know, if I decrease excuses, I can increase results. So For bringing sure. that message that is about them, not about me, I think makes it relevant and remembered. So it's uh, going back to positive mindset, you know, it's been seven months now, hard to believe that we've been dealing with COVID-19 and um, it, it has been brutal for speakers, speakers bureaus, pretty much everyone in our industry. And that's no surprise. So I, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you've done to kind of innovate and adjust to the current marketplace? Some of your virtual offerings or what you've done with your studio? Right. Well, we've all had to pivot, haven't we? And yeah. it's, it's a new reality, which is also, I think, an important message for, for everybody listening. Optimism and a winning mindset is not denying reality. It's embracing the facts. Because once you can embrace the facts, that's how you build fortitude. You don't build fortitude on illusions. You build fortitude on the facts. So the facts is this has been a tough time, no doubt. And we have to pivot. 
I, 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 on, I believe that when we're in the midst of change like this, we've got to take action. We can't stay idle. So what I did is I built a studio in my office. Uh, I have a couple of cameras with a switcher and lighting so that I can give uh, clients the best virtual experience possible. Uh, so that it's not a quote-unquote talking head. It, it, especially like for me, there's a lot of physicality in what I do as a speaker. So I, you know, I'm standing up and um, you know addressing the cameras. I just want it to be the best experience possible. I've also, Aaron, adjusted my message. Um, the communication through virtual is different than communication in a live presentation. No doubt. Meaning that I have to have interaction with people that are watching it virtually. I have to be able to have a message that they can take with them um, and can utilize. And they can utilize that right away. And you do that through, you know, some, uh, some visuals that hopefully are compelling, some Q&A that I might not do in a live keynote to really interact with them because, you know, they're looking at you through a screen. It's a much different experience. And I've done, I, I, I've been doing a lot of reading on what makes it effective. What is an effective virtual experience for people? And then and try, to, try to adapt to that. Uh, but there's no question that it's been challenging, but it's been challenging for a lot of people. But we're gonna come through this, Aaron, there's no doubt. I, I heard this uh, quote the other day, I thought it was really powerful. And they said, in times like these, never forget there have been times like these. Now that quote has been attributed to a number of people, but I will tell you that I think it's a very powerful insight. We've been through unprecedented change before. <laughs> this is another chapter. Sure. We have control over certain aspects of this change. Mindset, action, intent, that we can control. We can't control COVID. We can't control when we're going to get a new vaccine. We've got to let that go. That's why I think worry, worry can be such a use, uh, a, a, a useless emotion. I say to audiences that we can combat worry through wisdom. Wisdom is looking back at our past and asking, have we been courageous before? Yeah. Have we been resilient? Sure. If we've did it before, we can do it again. So use wisdom, right, to combat worry. Because all worry does is burn your energy. It burns your creativity. Um, and so if we can take that worry, combat it with wisdom, then we can take action. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like you've made some great adjustments. The, the word pivot comes to mind. Um, I do think, you know, it's... It, I believe that for the different types of speakers that are out there, that the content driven speakers, maybe think about someone that's going to come on and talk about uh, medicine or deliver more of a factual presentation. I feel like the transition to virtual was a little bit easier and a little bit um, less difficult. And then you've got your inspirational and motivational speakers like yourself. And that's where it really became, I think became more challenging in order to try to figure out some of those challenges. But I, I love what I'm seeing from you. I, um, I just had a chance to take a look at uh, one of your latest talk topics where you're talking a lot about mindset. And uh, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit more about that topic and, 
and, and you know, why that's so powerful? Well, again, it gets back to, to what we've been, been discussing earlier. It's that what can you control and what can you change? And when you, as we think about mindset, Aaron, I think everybody would agree that the better that you choose to think, the better outcomes you're going to get. Okay. There are a number of people that have allowed COVID to really paralyze them. And I, I, I don't want to underestimate, right, the challenge that this has been because it's been really difficult. Yeah, and everybody's, everybody has been, everybody's kind of taken it on differently. And for some, you're right, it's really consumed a, a great portion of their everyday life. And for others, they've maybe been able to compartmentalize and navigate through that a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the keys to a winning mindset is controlling the controllable. It is focused in on what you can do, what efforts you can make, and spending your time and energy on that. Uh, you know, as I look at my life, I think, would I rather have one leg and a positive mindset or two legs and a negative mindset. And honestly, I'd rather have one leg in a positive mindset because I think that that's gonna get me much better results than two legs in a negative mindset. I really do. Well, I think it, it definitely has so far. I mean, you've, uh, you're in the speaking hall of fame for goodness sake. So I think you're, you've been doing a terrific job. Well, thank you, Aaron. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So with that, I mean, you've accomplished so much in about 30 to 35 years of speaking, I think you said. Um, what is maybe a tip or two that you would give a new speaker out on the scene, you know, that's, that's trying to battle through some of the COVID landscape? You know, what, what would you say to them? Hmm. Uh, first of all, I would say to them, what I've, what I've said earlier is that the message has to be about the audience and not you. Okay. I think that is absolutely key. You know, I, when I'm speaking, I transcribe my, my presentation and I, uh, the ones that are recorded and I, I always look at the script and make sure that what I'm talking about is about the audience that it's about you, not me. I think that number one, that's key. Number two, it's be passionate about wanting to help and inspire people. Okay, that has to be your passion. I, I, I do some speaking in the safety world and you and I have worked together on, on some safety meetings, Aaron. Yes. And, you know, I, I've done hundreds of safety meetings over the years and, and people have asked me, now Roger, what makes you passionate about speaking to safety groups? And I'll tell you what happened to me. I, I have my artificial legs made at a clinic that's here in Northern California. And it's very interesting when you walk into this clinic because it's a fairly large place and everyone that's there has an amputation of some sort. It could be from, you know, diabetes or whatever. And it's really interesting to have conversations with the people there because they've all got different stories. I'll never forget her. And I sat next to this man and he had lost both of his arms at the elbow. Okay. And he looked at my leg and he said, what happened to you? And I, I told him while well, I was born this way and I said, uh, may I ask about your circumstances? He said, yeah, I was in an accident. And he said, you know, he said, uh, 
and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm really having a hard time with it. And, you know, I think about my wife and about my kids. And I said, well, you know what? And I was sharing, I think you'd get through this. And I gave him some ideas on mindset. And he looked at me and here's what he said here. He said, this was an accident. I had a choice and you didn't. And then he went on to yeah. explain that he was in a winery. He had put himself in an unsafe position. And now he had caused this amputation of his arms. And Aaron, right then I said, this is a, these are audiences that I want to speak to because I want to share his experience. Now, I wasn't injured, okay, on the job. But people look at me in safety meetings, they say, gosh, you know, that could happen to me. He didn't have a choice, I do. And that message has been, been well received with safety audiences because it's a reminder that safety again is a mindset. It's, oh, it, it's sure. a mindset. And you, know, you can have policies and regulations and all of those are great because those are guidelines, but it all comes down to that safety mindset. And here it is, never letting acceptable safety get in the way of exceptional safety. And I've really enjoyed working with you on a number of safety meetings. And it's, it's one of my core audiences because, again, the question that you asked me was about speakers. And I said about being passionate about helping people. That's an example. It was that experience that said, wow, that, that's really an audience I'd like to be in front of because I'd like to help prevent what this man has gone through. And he said, you know, he was careless, wasn't focused didn't really think about safety was what he told me until he had this accident. I haven't done any research in the past six months on, I guess, safety in the workplace. And there, there have been a lot of employees that have continued to work. The essential workers continue to go to work. But as, as more and more of us get back into the office and get back, I mean, do you think that there's going to be like a safety hangover or is there any research pointing to that? Um, what are some things that organizations need to do today to continue to keep that safety message going before their teams come back tomorrow? Right. Well, no question that having been away from the workplace for some time and now coming back into the workplace, I think people are going to need a refresher on safety principles because they've been away for a while. And it's like anything, you stay off the tennis court for a while or whatever activity you're engaged in. You know how that is. You're away from it for a while. There's yeah. things that you forget. So I think, yeah, no question about it. And safety is so central, right, to um, positive work experience and, and efficiency and, and, and all the benefits that come from safety, not the least of which is the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. I mean, yes. think about as a coworker, the ability to be able to help a, another person prevent an accident that might end up losing a leg like I have, or the gentleman that I talked about. I mean, that's very, very powerful. And again, that's a safety mindset. It's not just about you, it's about others. And that's what exceptional safety is about. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing the your background on how you got into speaking on, on the topic of safety. I think that's, that's very interested, interesting. And you're, you're certainly passionate about it. Um, gosh, I think for everybody listening into this, I, I just have to say that 
you and your team, Roger, I mean, you guys are awesome to work with. Um, every time that we've sent you out on the speaking circuit, you have delivered. We've gotten nine out of 10s, 10 out of 10s consistently across the board. Um, and man, I just, I look forward to, to working with you even more. And maybe we, you know, work on some of these virtual opportunities. And I, I think the safety avenue is definitely um, primed to speak at right now. I do too, Aaron. Well, listen, it's been my pleasure to, to partner with you and it's been such a, such a great experience. And you and I have had a, had a long friendship and business relationship and it's always just such a pleasure. And, you know, people have asked me this, they say, Roger, you've been doing this a long time. Does it ever get old? And I say to them, no, actually I'm more excited now than I was when I got started. They say, well, tell me about that. I said, because I have, have more experience. I have more to share with audiences. I also appreciate every single group. But one thing about having a physical challenge that I think has been really a blessing is it keeps you very grounded. And here's what I mean by that. I have stood in front of a group, couple thousand people, got a great reception, and walked walked out of that room and hopped in an Uber, and the person talks loud to me. <laughs> they think Jeez. that somehow my physical challenge yeah, like, affected my hearing, and it's really a it's really a great thing because it keeps you very grounded. It keeps you very humble. I mean, I when I'm standing in front of a group, I I always think this: they're taking time out of their busy schedules to listen to me. I got to give them everything I have. And I, I, I think if people talk to my past clients, one thing that, that I believe they'll say is that I did my homework and I gave them every single thing I had, meaning I don't go in and just give a can't talk. No doubt you don't. I want to yeah. learn about the group. I want to incorporate, because one question I ask a potential or clients is I say, okay, Tell me about your culture. Tell me about your language. What's terminology used that's going to be familiar to the group? Here's an example. They say, well, we don't call each other coworkers. We say we're a team. Oh, okay, great. Or they talk about terminology for this or that about their business. And to incorporate that right into a talk, all of a sudden, you're now part of them. Yep. You know them. You don't know everything about them, but you're familiar enough to where they lean forward and they say, okay, this is about our organization. This is about us. And I, I just think that is, is so, so important. You know, when I'm, when I'm giving a talk, I mean, um, you know, I, I make sure that I spend the time with the client beforehand so that when I stand up there, that client is fully confident that what I'm going to share is congruent with their vision for this meeting. I mean, those are, those, those are the small details, but that, that's the effort that you talk about where there, certainly not every speaker dedicates that amount of time to learn the organization and to really become one of them before they, they go on stage. And certainly you, you're, gonna, you're gonna feel the praise from that after you leave. And more importantly than that, I, you're big on results. I think more people will be willing to take action and you'll, you'll see that positive return. Um, because of the work that you did, so. Well, and I, I thank you, Aaron. And I, you know, I, 
I make sure that, you know, prior to the meeting, um, I always produce a video that they can show to, to uh, uh, audience members to familiarize themselves with who I am. And then I always follow up with a video and that they can then distribute, put it on their website or whatever, a way to thank them and reinforce what I've shared. No, that, that is awesome. Hey, Roger, before I let you go, what is one tennis tip that you can share with the amateur tennis player out there? Like if you maybe only picked up a racket once a year, that could, that could help them get started or, or maybe help them have more fun with the sport. Okay. A couple of things. I'm, I'm teaching my granddaughter tennis, so this is very topical. Um, as with most things in life, right? the most important part of a tennis stroke is eye on the ball. Okay. Doesn't matter what else about your tennis stroke that you can do well. If you can't keep your eye on the ball, you're done. Okay. It's eye on the ball. Second thing is you got a net, right? And the net is a barrier. Okay. You want to give yourself margin you know, some people say, well, you know, I'm just going to barely get it over the net. No, no, give, give yourself a little margin. Okay, I like okay? that. And then thirdly, when you're hitting the ball, when you got your eye on the ball and you give yourself a little margin, you got to hit it on the other side of the court. You got to have a target. We're getting, you have to have some direction. Okay. And then I did talk about, about consistency. Because when you look at the game of tennis, when people lose a match, it's most often because of errors, right? So you want to give your opponent every opportunity to hit the ball in the net. It's true in business as well. Think about successful sales professionals or think about safety professionals. What, what, what's it all about, right? If, if you distill it down, it really gets uh, back to this consistent effort. Yep. And I, I just, I, I just really think that that is central to whatever you're going to do. I love it. Well, thank you for letting us inside your tennis brain for a little bit, Roger <laughs> Crawford. It's been a pleasure, um, Roger. Where, where can people follow you? Everybody's looking for motivation. Where, where are a couple of places, um, social media or whatever, where people can follow you and keep up with what you're doing? They can go on YouTube. Um, I have a YouTube channel. It's under Roger Crawford Speaks. Um, they can. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or they connect with me on Facebook. And um, so, yeah, no, I'd love to connect with people and uh, um, you know, hope you and I can, can uh, work together, Aaron, on some future engagements. Like I said, it's always been a pleasure to work with you and I really appreciate you allowing me to be part of this podcast. My pleasure. It's only a matter of time on that. Thank you so much, Roger. Have a great rest of your day and enjoy your weekend. Hey, thanks a lot, Aaron. That's all for today's show. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Roger Crawford. Look, Roger is an excellent speaker for audiences looking for some inspiration, a message on overcoming adversity, or to re-energize and refocus the troops on a message of workplace safety. Please keep Roger in mind, and if you have any speaker needs for your upcoming virtual or in-person conferences, give me a call. I'd be happy to discuss those needs with you. Until next time, this is Aaron from Speaking On Demand. Have a great week.
To hire a speaker for your next meeting or event, contact me at area code 217-855-6909, call or text. You can also follow me on Twitter at Aaron Rayberg and check out my LinkedIn profile at linkedin.com slash in slash Aaron Rayberg.